What's happening, everybody, on today's Locked On SEC? Excited to talk all things recruiting with our guy, John Garcia Jr. from Sports Illustrated. We got so much to touch on with him. Arch, why did he shun the SEC? Don't worry, he'll be in the SEC very soon with the Texas Longhorns. Locked On SEC starts right now. You are Locked On SEC, your daily podcast on the Southeastern Conference, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And what is happening, everybody? Welcome into Locked On SEC. Great to have you guys along. I'm Chris Gordy. Thanks for making Locked On SEC your first listen every day. Remember, Locked On SEC is free and available on all platforms, including YouTube and at LockedOnSEC.com. Let's waste no time. Let's jump right into it. Let's bring in our guy, John Garcia, Jr., Director of Football Recruiting for Sports Illustrated. John, I know you're out on the West Coast doing some uh, Elite 11 stuff. Uh, welcome in, man. Thanks for the time. Yeah, Chris, good to be on with you in, in the Pacific time zone. Uh, it slowed me down a little bit today, not going to lie, but it's it's obviously for a good cause. We'll see a lot of future SEC passers out here uh, competing, you know, man versus man, and that's what you like to see. So let's start there. We got a ton of stuff we'll get to, but uh, you're out there in Los Angeles, the Elite 11. Any big uh, SEC guys that we're going to be keeping an eye on this week? Well, Nico's expected. There's some contention as to whether or not he's showing. He's got a big volleyball tournament coming up as well, and he's arguably ranked higher in volleyball than he is as a quarterback, so we'll see if he makes it out. But even beyond that, um, there's uh, Arkansas commitment Malachi Singleton is on this radar or on this list. Um, Florida's got a couple uncommitted recruits they're looking at. Same thing with uh, Georgia as well. Eli Holstein, the Alabama verbal commitment. Uh, is of course uh, slated to be out here. So there's there's a ton of, of SEC prospects. The Baton Rouge native Ricky Collins was the first uh, overall uh, to be uh, invited to the Elite Eleven Finals. He'll be out here as LSU and others try to flip him from Purdue. And then the newest SEC target, Austin Novosad, who Texas A&M just hosted and offered currently committed to Baylor. He will be out here as well as maybe the next to commit in the SEC uh, in Brock Glenn, uh, the Auburn target who is uh, hearing from a lot of schools himself, LSU being his most recent scholarship offer. Uh, he wants to decide soon. So this will be the last time we probably see him before he makes that call. So as usual, uh, top talent, top quarterbacks, and plenty of SEC flavor on top of it. Keep Arch out of it because we're going to talk with him in a second. But some of the other top – are we starting to see a lot of the top quarterbacks for 2023 kind of starting to pick and choose? And are the dominoes starting to fall here, at least from the top names? Yeah. I mean, 17 of these 20 quarterbacks are already verbally committed. Now, a few are looking at other schools, um, but even the three who aren't committed uh, are, are winding down the process. It's just that time of year. Uh, and June is, is now kind of the uh, most uh, – fashionable month to take a bunch of official visits it seemed like every weekend there were a bevy of prospects on all of these sec campuses so now that we're in a dead period from now until uh near the end of july uh, a lot of these kids are going to refocus resettle take a vacation with the family and then come off the board and make a verbal commitment and many have commitments lined up uh, pretty soon I, I believe avery johnson um the kansas quarterback he's committing uh july 5th I mentioned Brock Glenn. He said he wants to commit as soon as he can after this trip. And then the other uncommitted guy out here is Dante Moore. He's got LSU uh, among the schools, A&M among the schools that he is considering. 
he's going to come off the board, we think, sooner rather than later, although he has not committed to a timeline or a date like some of the others have. Well, let's get into it, uh, John. We, we hear the announcement just a week ago, uh, Arch Manning. One, how surprised were you that he made his decision when he did? And what's your what, what, in your opinion, ultimately led to him choosing Texas over the likes of Alabama and Georgia? Yeah, I wasn't surprised at the destination, but I was surprised at the date. I didn't think he'd commit on, like, I think it was Thursday around lunchtime. I mean, it was certainly, um, I was doing things running errands when I got the phone call, and I was like, oh, boy, my editors want me to go home and write. So it was certainly surprising at that moment. Uh, But look, Texas had been trending just before that. They had received uh, the last official visit, and there was extreme confidence coming out of Austin during that visit. Um, we, we were actually getting more traction with sources around Arch than we ever had before. So that was probably the first indication that, hey, this thing could could be winding down here pretty soon. And that Texas was was taking the, the true lead over Georgia and Alabama there at the 11th hour. And I think part of the reasoning why Texas won out was really all over the place. I think in terms of the school that put the most into recruiting Arch was Texas. They offered no other quarterbacks in this class of 2023. Georgia and Alabama, of course, have recruited many quarterbacks in this class of 2023. So I think that was something that resonated with the Manning camp early in this recruitment. Of course, they took four visits to Austin and and Arch even admitted in, in one of the rare interviews that he gave that he loved Austin. He loved the atmosphere. He's a you know, New Orleans kid and he thought Austin compared to Tuscaloosa and Athens was a little bit more city for him. So I think there was some some resonation there. And then I think that the two pronged approach from an offensive and quarterback minded head coach and Steve Sarkeesian and quarterbacks coach AJ Milwee, that battery, if you will, um, really put the full court press always for Arch. And I think compared to Saban and Kirby Smart, I mean, those are defensive minded coaches who have had success at quarterback, but obviously Sarkeesian is, is known for development at that position. And I think from a conventional perspective, you look at the quarterback room at Alabama and Georgia, and those could be, along with Ohio State, the most loaded in the country, not only with, with this year, but but well beyond. And Texas isn't. Texas has no proven commodities in that quarterback room. A lot of talent, we think, in the arm of right arm of Quinn Ewers if he wins the job, but that's not even a guarantee at this point. So the potential path to playing at a school like Texas, I do think uh, was something that, that the Mannings that uh, appreciated. And, and then, of course, the opportunity to do your own thing. Uh, there's a sustainability at Georgia and Alabama that Texas has not had. So the opportunity to potentially bring that program up like his uncles did at, at Tennessee and Ole Miss, I think that had to resonate with the Mannings as well. Yeah, that's a great point. And, and I think the other part of it, too, is you know, I heard how much he loves Steve Sarkeesian. Look, the track record speaks for himself from the quarterbacks that he's coached in college and got him to be first-round picks. Now, say what you want about Mark Sanchez and Jake Locker and you know all these guys that didn't have great success in the pros, but they at least got to the pros. They were first-round picks. Uh, and I think, obviously, his track record of coaching guys, even as recent as Mac, as Mac Jones, is having an impact in the NFL that – um, you're starting to see a lot of these guys that Sark has touched. I mean, that that had to resonate with Arch, right? Yeah, especially when when he's so involved in that, even as a head coach. And I think that's what really separates the optics of Texas versus uh, Alabama and Georgia uh, in particular. And then again, you throw in an AJ Milwee, who's kind of this emerging quarterback, the uh, coach. I think all of that works. You know, I know the the one quote Coach Nelson Stewart gave on Arch 
uh, his quarterback was that, you know, AJ Milley, uh, I believe talked to him more than, than his wife did this year. I mean, and that's, that's kind of re- reflective of what we heard of Texas's desire for Arch Manning. They were truly all in on the kid to the point where if they didn't get him, there was a lot of worry, like where would they even turn at this point? Because they, they really hadn't even been on the phone or, or keeping another kid warm. It was totally all in uh, on Arch, and, and obviously it paid off uh, for that crew. So now we'll see because it does create the most pressure, and I think that's what makes this so fascinating because if you go to Bama, you go to Georgia, it's like you're the next quarterback. Okay, they've won with quarterbacks who had no chance at the NFL. They've won with quarterbacks who had little chance at the NFL. You know, Texas, it's like all on that position. You know, so I do think there's something to be said for Arch stepping into that willingly, saying like, okay, the spotlight's going to be even bigger here, so so let's do it. And I think that says a lot about his own self-confidence uh, and drive uh, as a quarterback as well. So we'll see, I guess. Speaking of SEC schools missing out on a quarterback recruit, we're going to talk about another guy who did that just in just a second with John Garcia. But first, want to remind you guys about our friends at BetOnline.net. They are your number one source for all your betting needs and sports information. You can find all the latest sports developments, league reviews, and news, including Major League Baseball, which is going on now. BetOnline, they're your continued source for all your sports wagering information, including live betting, esports. Uh, Bet online, they remain your best spot for all your sports scores, podcasts, and news throughout the year. They're going to have all kinds of college football stuff up there very soon. Uh, Heisman odds, prop bets on uh, uh, on all kinds of different players and uh, college football playoff odds, uh, odds to win the SEC. All of that, you could check it out at betonline.net. They're your fastest and easiest way to check in on everything you need. Head on over to their website today. You can do so on your mobile device and learn about all the trends in action. Bet online. It is where the game starts. And uh, talking with our guy, John Garcia Jr. from Sports Illustrated, who covers all things recruiting. And, John, you know, we talked about Arch and SEC schools missing out on him. The Florida Gators thought they had a good track with Jaden Rashada on Sunday. Ultimately, he chose the Miami Hurricanes. I know he pushed his announcement back a week to get that extra visit into Miami, and it looks like it worked. Uh, how did Miami land Rashada, and where do the Gators go from here? Yeah, leading into this original June 18th commitment day, this was an all-SEC battle, right? He had just come off of three official visits back-to-back-to-back to, back to, back to Texas A&M, LSU, and then Florida. The Florida trip was a return trip after an unofficial visit to Gainesville like 10 days prior. So Florida was extremely confident going into that June 18th commitment, and even when he pushed it back and set the Miami visit, the Florida confidence didn't really waver. It wasn't until about midway, Thursday to Friday, on that Miami visit where all of a sudden you started to feel that perception change. Just like we talked about Texas gaining confidence during Arch's visit, we saw the same thing with Miami, even though they had another quarterback already on board. I think the fact that Mario Cristobal recruited Rashada when he was at Oregon certainly resonated because a lot of the contenders like Florida – uh, LSU, uh, some of the others in the mix were, were newer coaching staff that didn't have that longstanding relationship with Rashada. And, and previously he had told us that, you know, Miami reminded him of California the most compared to some of these other college towns uh, in the SEC. So I think that factored in, but, but it was really about that longstanding relationship and that official visit, of course, just gave you more time with Josh Gaddis, who was, was kind of newer 
to the conversation. Uh, the reigning Broyles Award winner as the top assistant coach in college football. I think that was really the relationship that had to hit the next level for Rashada to jump on board with the Canes. Uh, so basically Miami went from number three at best all the way to number one on that official visit. Um, and obviously since then, there's been a whole lot of conversation around Rashada, but on the surface level um, was really just a timing issue for the Gators. And I think losing it uh, to an in-state rival, uh, certainly in recruiting uh, hurts, especially when both staffs are our first year staffs at their respective schools. So Florida needs some juice on the offensive side of the ball and at quarterback in particular, but they've quietly recruited really well on defense and, and landing some commitments over the last few days. Yeah, I was just going to hit on that very briefly. Billy Napier, obviously, it was funny. I was looking through Florida's recruiting class, their commits, and there's so many guys from June of 2022. Like, they've got a lot of guys this month from Isaiah Nixon to, to Gavin Hill and then most recently Sharif Denson. Uh, Denson seeming to be like one of the, the, the bigger name recruits that they've landed so far, right? Yeah, there was a lot of buzz for Texas A&M with Sharif and even Miami to a degree just in the last few weeks. Uh, but Florida really emphasized that that kind of Duval Jacksonville pipeline. Uh, and what a cool commitment video. I don't know if you saw it, but uh, basically all the Gator DBs who came from Jacksonville in years prior, like Lito Shepard and some of these guys like joined the commitment video and, and said that it's it's Gators country up that way. So I think perceptionally and certainly timing wise, this was perfect for Billy Napier and company. Uh, it, it, it still has to change at the quarterback position. But in the meantime, uh, I love the pickup of Sharif Denson. I think he could play nickel. I think he could play outside corner. Uh, just one of the higher floor DBs in the state of Florida. And obviously that's that statement uh, says a lot about that position. So I do think he's he's probably the class headliner from a defensive perspective at this point. Um, and a big win, again, over other SEC schools as, as well as Miami. Yeah, and Gavin Hill, another one that, that can be big time on that D-line. Uh, let's talk a little bit on Alabama. I know they made news this week with Tony Mitchell, the big five-star DB, announcing he's going there. And I look at Alabama's class, and I'm like, right at the top, Tony Mitchell and Jaleel Hurley. I mean, they could just step right in for Eli Ricks and Kool-Aid McKinstry when they're done, and they'll be their two starting corners for the foreseeable future. But uh, Tony Mitchell, I know some Georgia fans are holding out hope on him. Uh, what ultimately made him settle on Alabama? Yeah, it was really between those two. I was hearing dating all the way back to the fall. It was really always going to be this Georgia and, and Bama battle. Uh, I, I think he liked both programs plenty. I do think the transition of, of coaching staffs under Kirby Smart, you know, I do think that hurt. You know, Adai was, was really well liked uh, among uh, defensive back recruits pretty much unanimously. And I think with, with Tony Mitchell being in-state at Thompson, which is a school that has been very good to Alabama over the years, dating back to even to Leah Tengelvailoa, even though he's not there anymore. Um, but they've they picked up prospects seemingly every cycle from Thompson. So there is certainly a Bama vibe there at the school that helped. But really, it came down to guys like Kool-Aid McKinstry, other Birmingham area prospects uh, who who were considered the best in the state. And I think when you talk about the secondary, it's those two guys you mentioned. It's Hurley and it's Tony Mitchell in the state of Alabama. And, and that's what he said. He said, look, the best players in my mind go to Bama. Um, and, and that's where I want to go. And that's where I want to compete against. So it was a very narrow margin. Um, and maybe he committed sooner than a lot of us anticipated. Uh, so that was always going to favor Alabama. I think the longer it went, I think the optimism would have increased for, for some other programs, mainly Georgia. But the shorter his recruitment lasted, it was it was going to help Alabama's chances to start to heat up on the trail themselves, which is something that you could almost see 
kind of a collective effort with with Saban and Pete Golding uh, and crew uh, in Tuscaloosa. They they want to kind of uptick in recruiting because they've had one of the slower starts that we've seen uh, from a volume perspective. So no better place to start changing that than than in state. Josh Heupel and the Vols seem to be doing a really good job with their class. Obviously, it's highlighted with Nico at the top, but added a couple more three stars this week. Jeremiah T. Lander in that group. But uh, what do you make of this group that Tennessee's putting together? I like it. A lot of balance. Uh, you certainly expect more offensive skill position guys to come because of Nico. And and I know they got a big focus on the offensive line coming up with guys like Francis Maigoa, Lucas Simmons, who will probably come off the board sooner rather than later. But I love to lander. I, I think he is a true three down linebacker, a modern linebacker. I, I saw him in person at a camp recently where he was covering as well as anyone. And that's not something you expect from a kid who's, I don't know what he's listed at, 6'2", 6'3", probably 220. He's a physically developed kid. You expect almost, hey, he's a volume tackler, downhill kind of kid, but he was covering really well uh, out in Atlanta. So I like that get. The Vols have to be consistent in Atlanta. It's just something that has to happen if they're going to recruit at a high level. Uh, So I think that helps uh, with that verbal commitment as well. So, yeah, they're heating up uh, just at the right time as well. And, And a lot of their targets, as we mentioned, are coming off the board here pretty soon. You know, Jeremiah Cobb's another one running back uh, out of Montgomery. I think he's committing July 1st. Uh, so a lot of, uh, of Vol targets uh, could be joining here pretty soon. Continue our conversation with John Garcia, Jr., Director of Football Recruiting for SI Sports Illustrated. And, John, I've been hearing a lot of uh, rumblings out of Columbia, South Carolina. Shane Beamer has been uh, making noise there, man. They're starting to build up something. They We know they were crushing the transfer portal with uh, bringing in Spencer Rattler and other guys in there. But now they're really doing a good job building up this uh, 2023 class. And I know most recently Grayson Howard a four-star linebacker out of the Jacksonville area. He announced his commitment. Uh, just seems like the dominoes keep falling for Shane Beamer and company. Yeah, uh, interesting for South Carolina to dip into Jacksonville. I mean, geographically, it makes sense, right? I don't think people realize that Jacksonville's tucked in in the northeast corner of Florida, so it's it's real easy to get up uh, to Columbia in this case. So I think he's taken a ton of visits there, and it was really uh, – optically a big win for them but I think they put in that work I think he, he visited seven or eight times in the last year year and a half so yeah that the energy that you hear about in Columbia is real and it's resonating on both sides of the football love the pup Howard commitment I mean this is an active linebacker probably the best linebacker in the Jacksonville area which is you know another metro that produces a lot of uh, power five and SEC type recruits and, and I think with South Carolina continuing to push outside of their their traditional footprint right recruiting the carolinas and georgia you got to push outside of that as you as you expand and move forward and we're seeing that at a pretty high clip uh, with this class of uh 2023 now into the double digits on the verbal commitment list uh and, and it's kind of scattered there's talent everywhere and they've got uh, another big fish coming up here soon dylan lonergan one of the kind of forgotten quarterbacks because he's not a big camper he's not an elite 11 guy um, so he's he's one of these elite quarterbacks that's still available. I think he pushed his commitment to July 12th. South Carolina, Stanford, Bama, the final three there. So he took official visits to each, but he's visited USC the most within that group. And there is confidence right now that even though he pushed it back, that South Carolina could be the destination for Lonergan, who he's a kid who throws like 90 miles an hour in baseball. So he's an interesting quarterback recruit who isn't conventional in terms of going through the entire you know, camp and combine uh, part of the process. But he's, he's not to be undervalued despite that. 
All right, we, we opened it up a few weeks ago for listeners to send in questions. And the first one I got when I said that is from a buddy of mine from LSU who said, you never asked John any LSU questions. I said, well, it's been kind of quiet. They haven't had a lot of recruits. They did pick up Kyle Parker, a three-strider of the state of Texas, a wide receiver recently, but only six recruits. It feels like Brian Kelly and company are still kind of in that transitioning phase, trying to settle in at LSU, trying to look at the recruiting, and also trying to put together a team for 2022 as they look ahead to 2023, what's the latest kind of for you on LSU? Yeah, quite quite the heavy task for Brian Kelly and company. Look, and, and they're starting to pick up a little steam. I think, again, a lot of their top targets are starting to wind down uh, during the, the decision-making process. Um, and look, quarterback is still out there for LSU, right? They, they try to make a run at Arch. They've been in it for Dante Moore. They were in it for Jaden Rashada, but hadn't quite hit the mark there. So I'm curious to see what that approach looks like uh, if Dante Moore ends up elsewhere. Uh, they got a kid in Baton Rouge, you know, Ricky Collins, again, who I mentioned at the top of the show, he's out here at the Elite 11. Um, they've they've tried to flip him, um, and, and there's been some traction there. So I do think quarterback's going to be kind of that contention point in, in judging this LSU class of 2023. But look, it's LSU. There's a ton of talent in state. There's a ton of talent nearby uh, over in Texas and, and even going east into Mississippi, uh, as well as the state of Alabama. So I do think this class will eventually pick up some momentum. Uh, But yeah, I think quarterback's kind of where my brain goes in looking for the next important uh, LSU commitment uh, on offense, uh, as Brian Kelly looks to kind of settle in his identity at at what he's going to be uh, at a school like LSU. But I typically don't worry about that school when it comes to recruiting, (laughs) because just there's too much talent. There's too much time, right? We're in June. Signing day is not till December. Uh, I think a patient approach will work there. Um, but quarterback, if you're going to make a move, it's got to be now. So I think that's an interesting one to keep an eye on. If there's a dark horse, keep an eye on Emery Williams. He's a panhandle kid, Milton, Florida. He committed to Miami before Rashada at quarterback. But naturally, when you're kind of you know QB2, that can create uh, an opportunity for other programs. So schools that have missed on QBs recently, Florida, LSU, Texas A&M, Georgia even – I think could give this kid a look, especially if he looks good out here in L.A. So keep an eye on Emory Williams, even though he just committed to Miami uh, less than 10 days ago. All right, real quick, John, I'm just going to give you two guys that I know have whittled down their list uh, recently and just kind of give me what vibe you're feeling. Harris Sewell, big time uh, lineman. I know he's got his top five. He announced Clemson, Oklahoma and Texas are in there, but A&M and Alabama as well. Those are some big dogs. Uh, what's the vibe there coming out of the state of Texas? Yeah, I was, you know, I, at one point I was thinking Texas, but they loaded up the other day, seemingly at offensive line. They've got four O linemen committed, so I think this could venture down to an A and M versus Alabama battle. I know he's high on the board uh, for both of those prospects. You never count out Clemson. You know, I believe uh, you know they, they've been kind of a sneaky O line recruiting program, never flashy. But uh, that's the kind of kid that they uh, have typically played ball uh, with on the recruiting trail. But I do feel like A&M and Bama could resonate more with Sewell as, as he winds down. And by the way, if you're watching this, he may have already made his announcement on when this <laughs> yeah. is published. So ignore it if he did. But anyway, it's good to get John's uh, opinion before he makes the announcement. The other guy I was curious on, Cedric Baxter Jr. I know there's some Gator fans who are looking out for him. I know some Texas fans thinking, hey, we're loading up on everything. Why not come play with Arch? You could be his running back. But he's got A&M and he's got the Gators along with Miami and Texas in his top four. Uh, what are you hearing on Cedric Baxter? 
Yeah, a fascinating recruit. Um, he's like Alabama was his leader like the other day, and now he's either staying in the state of Florida or going to play in the state of Texas. So a fascinating recruit to follow. He's committing August 10th, so there's still some time for some wiggle room between these options. And, and yeah, I think he's a must-get for kind of all four of those schools, right? Uh, Texas lost out on Reuben Owens, who committed to Louisville, one of the surprising commitments uh, in, in this class of 23. So their board has shifted kind of to all-in mode on Cedric Baxter, but he's he's loving Texas A&M. He was committed to Florida State very early in his career, grew up a Jimbo Fisher fan, so you can't sleep on that element of the process. And then, of course, the two in-state schools – desperately want to keep him in state right Miami uh, and the Florida Gators are certainly looking for that offensive identity and, and that's one of the bigger in-state battles left uh, in the state of Florida Baxter is arguably the best running back in America he is like 6'2 210 but he's one of the smoothest pass catching backs in this class it's just not something you see every day Le'Veon Bell is kind of my comp for him uh so yeah you could see why it's a hotly contested battle but yeah I a day ago if you'd have said okay you put out his top group and a commitment date i would say okay alabama ohio state these other schools and and they're they're not exempt or they are exempt on his list uh, so this is a, a kid who's going to do his own thing so i think you could create a case for or against all four of these schools but the latest buzz i am hearing is that it's going to be hard to keep him out of the state of texas when all is said and done so I think that will be fascinating to track over the next uh, month and a half. John Garcia, Jr., appreciate your time as always, man. Thanks so much. Thanks for having me, Chris. Appreciate All right. it. All right, that's uh, John Garcia of Sports Illustrated, the director of football recruiting, and he does a fantastic job. Appreciate him taking some time and jumping on with us, man, out there in California for the Elite Eight. So uh, appreciate him as always. Thank you guys so much for listening to Locked on SEC. You guys have a great weekend. We'll be back next week. Breaking it all down, talking all the latest news in the SEC. And again, if you guys ever have a question for John Garcia, shoot me a DM on Twitter at Chris Gordy or at Locked on SEC. We have John on every other week to talk all things SEC recruiting. That's going to do it for this edition of Locked on SEC. We'll talk to you guys next week. Have a great weekend, everybody. Thank you for making us your first listen every day. Now go make your second listen. You can check out Locked on Razorbacks, Locked on Ole Miss, Locked on LSU, tons of different uh, – podcast covering all the schools that you love in the SEC. Go make your second listen today. We'll talk to you guys next week. Thanks so much.